Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Mr. Beacon Podcast is sponsored by Williot. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon Podcast. Wonderful to have you back. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, we are continuing our journey through the land of the Internet of Things, uh, checking in with some old friends uh, at Contact.io. I'm really pleased to have Rom Eisenberg, who's the Chief Revenue Officer for Contact.io, on the show today. Uh, Rom, welcome to the show. Hi, good to be here. So Contact.io are no stranger to the Mr. Beacon podcast. Uh, your original CEO, I was just checking, uh, was on the show, uh, one of our first guests back in July of 2016. It's kind of dating us a little bit. Um, and then um, Philip, your current CEO, I uh, had a a really fun conversation with him back at RFID Journal Live in 2017. We were experimenting with a 360 degree camera at the time. So it was uh, uh, for the people that watch it on YouTube, that was a bit strange, but it was a really good conversation. I am really, it's been a long time since we've uh, spoken. Uh, Contact IO are massive in terms of your uh, presence in this um, indoor positioning and RTLS ecosystem, one of the first pioneers. And so what I want to do in, um, in this conversation is check in on, you know, what's been happening since uh, 2017. Um, what are the offerings? Um, and I'm really interested in your perspective on IoT in general, uh, business models, value, trends, all of that sort of thing. But Let's just ground people on um, the basics of, for someone that doesn't know Contact.io, who is Contact.io? So Contact.io is coming uh, from the uh, device uh, um, um, side of the business. And uh, um, we used to be one of the top three uh, beacon manufacturers in the world, which means that we were instrumental in the early days of IoT in creating building infrastructure that transmits, that's uh, enables or supports mobile uh, phones mostly, uh, uh, among other devices, to localize themselves inside of buildings. So you will see contact of beacons uh, if you fly out of uh, uh, JFK uh, in New York, and if you land in SFO in San Francisco, you will also see our beacons on the other side, uh, um, over 50 airports, um, uh, over a thousand application partners, uh, more than 20,000 end users um, have been deploying our, our product uh, around the world and, and mostly in North America and Europe uh, as, as things are. Um, over the last two years, um, a lot of changed. Uh, we have been growing very, very fast. Uh, just last year, we more than doubled our employee uh, count. Um, we are uh, moving from uh, just providing components to providing more of the solution, uh, uh, still uh, without the application layer, so still in the enablement layer, uh, but we are uh, um, working together with uh, some uh, uh, now very large partners like Cisco, uh, like IBM, to drive uh, the first uh, enterprise IoT standards 
and, and to move this industry from, you know, point solutions to point problems type of an approach that was pretty widespread over the first kind of decade of IoT to uh, a truly scalable uh, enterprise infrastructures uh, uh, that lends itself uh, 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 to many use cases that are vendor agnostic, uh, uh, that, that really uh, um, uh, remove uh, uh, barriers to adoption uh, that we have been seeing uh, over the last uh, 10 or 15 years. And we see a host of companies, right? We are not alone in that. Uh, and and, and that, that, that's great. That's fun, right? There are a lot of barriers. There are a lot of uh, glass ceilings that have been, been you know, uh, smashed over the past uh, 12 to 24 months even, I would say, uh, that, that are, are now enabling growth and, and adoption in, in IoT markets like, like never before. And this is coming from a 15-year uh, IoT veteran. Uh, I've, I've been around in my sins. Uh, um, so, so it's a very exciting time, both for Contact.io, I think, and, and for the industry as a whole. So can I still buy just the hardware? I, I've, I've got some of your iconic beacons uh, back in the cupboard there, the kind of Aztec pyramid uh, uh, tapered uh, edges. Um, if I want those, um, you sell a few different form factors now. You were one of the first with uh, the hubs, I remember. Can I still just buy the hardware? So yes, uh, sure you can. Uh, the good news is that uh, if you buy this hardware, it will connect to the wireless uh, infrastructure where it's BLE enabled, so the access point uh, uh, element in BLE, for right now covering half of the uh, public spaces on the planet. So you're getting a product that uh, talks to phones and does the job that it did before, but it can be managed by cloud, uh, it can be connected and monitored uh, and provisioned uh, uh, using, uh, in many cases, the infrastructure you already have. So what does that mean? The infrastructure I already have is the Wi-Fi network? Uh, That's right. So it's aware of the Wi-Fi networks of specific venues? Or I don't quite understand. So, so, so access points today and for the actually many people just don't know but they have been buying uh, uh, BLE or Bluetooth low energy enabled access points and uh, now for quite a few years I think in the case of Meraki for example six years of access points uh, all came out with a, a Bluetooth radio which means that the, wi the the infrastructure you bought and installed so your laptops and phones can use Wi-Fi to connect to the internet and uh, um, that very same infrastructure is already capable in connecting uh, thousands and tens of thousands of devices of uh, sensors uh, within your buildings and in many cases it just requires you to subscribe and activate these capabilities in others there's some dongle or some extension that you need to add if your access point is very old uh, but but that layer of infrastructure if we can uh, 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 simplify its delivery or, or use something you already have then we are making your as right the end user's capacity to adopt the pains the 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 the, the, the time the cost of, of becoming an IoT player uh, 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 significantly less. Uh, uh, this, is, this is kind of great news for all of us. And I see there's kind of two foundational uh, use cases. There's indoor positioning and then there's RTLS. There's uh, kind of where am I and how do I get to where I want to go on one hand? And then there's where's all my stuff? Where are all my uh, uh, wheelchairs in the airport or uh, IV pumps in the hospital? Uh, that's the RTLS side. In the case of indoor positioning, why would I want my uh, uh, beacons to be talking to those Wi-Fi access points? It's, it's kind of a management thing to uh, uh, monitor the state, update the firmware, that sort of thing. That's, that's, the, that's the benefit. Um, when a cell tower uh, gets hit by lightning, um, AT&T needs to know, or Verizon, right? They need to know because otherwise the quality of service in an entire block of a country is dropped and people will lose their calls. It's the same inside of a building. Uh, this uh, infrastructure uh, is moving from nice to have to a must have to something that people come to count on. And, and when that happens, then of course you need to manage, you need to configure these devices, you need to know if they're down. Uh, um, you, you sometimes uh, want to enhance capabilities. 
uh, also, uh, many of these devices that were used initially just to beacon or to help for navigate can now do more things. For example, monitor the air quality, the temperature, air pressure. Uh, we can tell you if you need to, if you have a ventilation problem in the office, uh, we can monitor carbon monoxide and light uh, contributing to, uh, um, you know, building carbon footprint management. All of this uh, becomes a, a mosaic of uh, building signals that you want to collect and aggregate and then monetize or make available. Uh, I think uh, uh, bringing it all together uh, is the network, uh, but what happens in the edge is a lot more busy and rich and, 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 uh, and rich full, uh, you know, rich of features than it was ever before. Okay. Um... That makes sense. So I want to give people a, a, a picture of the, the, the different hardware uh, products that you have, and then we'll work up the stack and talk a bit about the solutions business and how that fits in with uh, other partners, uh, where the boundaries are, that sort of thing. So um, you still have the indoor positioning beacons, but it's not just a matter of uh, having a beacon that helps you with wayfinding. It's also environmental sensing. Uh, uh, potentially uh, that can be achieved in these spaces. Maybe we'll, we'll move to, uh, the, I guess, the, uh, you have the ID um, tags, right? The sort of the, the, the putting uh, tags on, on people. Is that right? Maybe I should hand over to you. G give, us the, give us the summary of all of the, the hardware things, and then maybe we'll end up with Portal Beam, because uh, that's kind of a big new thing. Uh, I'd like to spend a bit of time on that. So you, you can imagine uh, the IoT uh, uh, solution stack uh, like a sandwich, uh, three layers. Uh, on the bottom, you have IoT devices, and we try to provide a broad variety of those uh, simply to make uh, uh, the lives of our end users simple. So you can get form factors for very small pieces of equipment like an infusion pump in a hospital or a laptop. Uh, uh, you can have rugged uh, 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 tags that you can track, uh, uh, I don't know, construction equipment or oil and gas type of large, bulky uh, industrial type of equipment. Uh, uh, we have uh, devices that have buttons, that have motion sensors. Uh, uh, we have uh, devices that monitor temperature in, in pharma refrigerators, for example. Um, so, so broad uh, spectrum of uh, IoT devices. Uh, one thing that unites them all is that they run over Bluetooth 5. Uh, they implement uh, our kind of enterprise standard security. Uh, uh, we can carry payload. Uh, uh, over the air, so so not, not as limiting as iBeacon is, but still vendor agnostic and driven for standard. So, variety here is the name of the game, and I'm saying that uh, with a, a grain of salt because we tell our customers, hey, if you don't find what we have here, we have a great product from Williot, we have there are great products from other vendors, um, and some of them are our competitors. The point is to best solve the problem, not for us to sell another you know piece of piece of hardware. Um, so, so we try to, to, to service that variety uh, for our customers. Some of our products, we are augmenting the radio, uh, so the BLE, uh, Bluetooth Low Energy uh, Wireless Technology, with non-radio technology to enhance location, in our case, infrared. And uh, the advantage of infrared is it doesn't slide, so it doesn't penetrate through walls. And as such, we can deliver room level certainty, which is required in some use cases, mostly when you track people inside of buildings. So what does this infrared product look like? That's, can you drill into that a bit more? Um, so you have infrared tags? So, so the, 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 the way this, this basically works is that the tag itself has a, a, an IR sensor, uh, similar to the sensor you have in your maybe television. Yeah? It's a simple IR sensor. It uh, turns on, on when it sees a strong IR light, and it receives an ID, and then it puts it on the RF package and sends it to the cloud. So it will basically say, hey, I am uh, Steve's tag, and I just saw uh, an IR, an infrared ID uh, 101. And the cloud knows that you saw, if you saw it, then you must be in room 101. And that, uh, I mean, just, just to, to help the viewers understand the logic, we know where you are by, because we are triangulating your employee badge's signal. 
just when we do that, we will tell you that in which room you are within, let's say, 90% of the time. Uh, we will make some errors. We might put you in the next door room. And most of the time, and when you are tracking assets, that's fine. 90% uh, of the time in the right room is pretty accurate. Let's say it's better than, you know, six feet uh, on average. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, but there are use cases where it's not good enough. Uh, if a nurse walked into your room and then the nurse walked out and walked into my room, we need to see that she sanitized her hands in between. And for that, we need to be super accurate. We can't make little silly mistakes. Uh, that we can when you maybe you're tracking assets in some lab or, you know, a warehouse situation. So infrared helps in those scenarios and, and we are using it to augment, to add on top of the radio location, of the indoor location uh, to, to drive uh, uh, accuracy in some use cases. So we do things like that. that and that can be, uh, uh, it's challenging to do that with radio waves because the wall can be very thin. It could be a temporary wall in a conference room. Uh, it could be a plasterboard wall separating two uh, hospital rooms. And so the IR doesn't penetrate and the radio waves do. And you use the you use the IR when you don't want it to penetrate and you, you can use the radio waves when you, when you do. That makes sense. I, I had one very specific question about how do you put a reader in a fridge? Just, that, that, uh, that just really caught my uh, imagination. So you can have, uh, you sell a reader that will go in fridges that can uh, read what? Uh, well, um, monitor the temperature, right? Uh, um, the concern here is a little bit the fridge itself, and you can eliminate a lot of false positive uh, uh, support calls where the temperature is dropping, and it's because maybe the fridge is open. You can see based on uh, uh, the temperature fluctuations whether you are short on, you know, in maybe in freon gas in your compressor. Uh, but but the key driver is, of course, to protect the contents of the fridge. So if what you have in the fridge are Coca-Cola uh, cans, it's probably not a big deal. If what you have is atropine drugs, uh, a, a single refrigerator's uh, contents can be worth a million dollars. So uh, and, and of course, the availability of the drug to, to administer care. Um, so some fridge is more valuable than others. Um, that's just a popular new case. Uh, uh, we monitor a, a variety of different, you know, machine equipment pa parameters. Some of them we do with our own sensors. I think that what gets me really excited is now seeing a lot of traditional industrial vendors that make refrigerators, that make, uh, we mentioned infusion pumps, right? The guy, the, the, the fact that the, the, the vendor that makes the infusion pump, they are starting to include Bluetooth radios on their devices. They are starting to allow the devices to connect without having us having to tag them, to add, add a device. So if you want, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, one, one of my favorite uh, ways to explain what we do is we create mobile phones for things. Uh, uh, we, we take a box and we give it a communication device so it can tell us where it is or if it's moving or what's the temperature inside and so on. And, and we're seeing more and more uh, 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 devices coming to market that already have these capabilities embedded. Um, and, and, and that's great, right? It's, it drives the, the growth and adoption. So, so we love it. And last question on fridges. Uh, the, so are you battery powering, powering those? How do you get the power to your fridge monitoring device? Yeah, yeah, but, but, but battery-powered uh, um, Bluetooth low energy, as its name suggests, uh, is, 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 is uber efficient. And, and typically, you know, if a Wi-Fi tag will give you about, you know, two years of battery life, measuring temperature every five minutes, then your typical uh, BLE tag will measure the temperature every five seconds and, and, and will give you six, seven, even eight years of battery life. So in, from a total cost of ownership standpoint, that makes customer's life a lot, a lot easier uh, because it increases the longevity, reduces the cost of service and, and you know, failures mm -hmm. and complexities. Uh, that, that's all good. And it's part of technology maturing, right? Uh, you know, I was starting to say, you know, I've been playing in this market uh, for, for 10, 15 years. Uh, uh, so, you, you, yes, we see technology mature and it can do things that it could never do before, which, which, which is great, right? It helps. Okay, uh, very good. And, and what is Portal Beam? So Portal Beam, in many senses, is the result of the frustration uh, of, of this sales guy 
um, with uh, uh, the the complexity and and the, the, the you know the, the reality of of capturing uh, uh, building signals. Uh. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um. And I think uh, we, we, we started talking about Portal Beam. We were sitting in a WeWork uh, uh, rented conference room. So we rented this room uh, uh, to brainstorm because we were all traveling. And uh, we're sitting in the room and, and like good IoT people, the first thing uh, an IoT guy does when he walks into the room, we look up at the ceiling. We scan the ceiling. So what's installed here? And it took us three minutes to see six boxes. Uh, we closed the door, we climbed on a chair, we started to rip them open. <laughs> I'm sorry we work. Uh, we didn't damage anything. Um, and one was an occupancy infrared sensor with LoRaLAN, uh, 900 megahertz backhaul. The second one was a temperature sensor with Zigbee, uh, 2.4 gigahertz uh, backhaul. The third one was another uh, motion sensor. Obviously, someone swapped vendors in the middle. This one was Wi-Fi. And you look at this, and there are all of these devices on the wall, and one is light, and one is occupancy, and one is temperature, and the other one, and you, there must be a better way. Now, the thing is, what's hiding behind the story is that all of these different sensors, not just that they create wireless interference and they create these this collisions because of frequencies and non-managed mess uh, in, in, in the ether, but they're also reporting the data, their data into silos. Uh, the JCI uh, uh, controller on the wall that uh, controls the temperature in, in this room uh, knows what is the temperature, just nobody else does. Uh, just the, the, the AC unit, the HVAC. But if we want to extract knowledge from a heat mapping of this building so we can say something about carbon footprinting, about how it fluctuates the, the, during the, the hours of the day, if you want to map it to how many people were in the room, and if you understand that we just can't tag everybody with a Bluetooth tag, we, some of our employees, yes, visitors maybe, but it just can't be everything, uh, then there must be a better way, right? That's, that's the starting point. There must be a better way. And, and when we said to the drawing board, uh, we, we, we realized that we can pack uh, nine different IoT sensors, almost everything you might want to know about uh, the inside of your building, uh, that we can uh, combine different technologies uh, into a single box, and that box can run on batteries. So you don't need to run, run power which is funny because, you know, if, if you are an IoT guy, then you know that running the power for the gateways that connect the network costs more money than the entire project, including the hardware, the software, the services, everything else costs less money than just running the power. So if we have network that is, uh, let's say, Cisco, right, access point driven, also other, other vendors have some solutions, no, not as sophisticated, but almost all Wi-Fi guys have a network. If the network is in place, and if I can walk into a room and attach a small device on the ceiling, and it's a self-installed center of the room, you don't need to be an RF engineer. And if this device runs on batteries and gives me five years of battery life, and if it can tell me how many people are in the room, and what is the temperature, and the humidity, and the air pressure, and the air quality, and is there light or dark, and there's a carbon monoxide gases, 
uh, almost everything you can imagine. If this device can also beacon, because right, contact you, we, we, we got to help those phones. It can beacon and help devices uh, like mobile phones into navigate. And we can add an infrared beacon so we can create room level certainty. And we can marry all of this fantastical, everything that you would ever know that, that right, that, that uh, fantasy list of uh, uh, smart building IoT features into a small box that is about $200 in mass market price that runs for five years of batteries, so you don't need to fat around with powering up or, or, or servicing the batteries, then, and, and, and if this box can be cloud managed, and if there is some, some machine that can pull this data and, and mine this data and analyze and learn this data, maybe using machine learning or IT tools, and what we are really buying is not the sensor, or the box that you put on the wall. You are buying the API, you are buying the stream that quantifies your building. And if we can do all of those things and stop selling hardware and selling APIs and making it all really simple and affordable, then maybe we can, we can make a positive change in the industry. So, so that's, yes, you are, you are, that's what we are excited about these days. So, um, sounds like the $200 for the box, which I was expecting something much bigger after your uh, long explanation of all the things that were in it, uh, is very comprehensive. Um, uh, I was expecting it to be more. It sounds like that's more of a loss leader, and the, the, uh, or, or at least not the, not, it's the foundation for your revenue model, not the be-all and end-all. Um, what, what are the services that you sell on top of that? Uh, I'm assuming those are the things that are the real strategic value from your perspective and, and maybe from the customer's perspective as well. I mean, f f f first I remind customers that uh, uh, we are nothing, we, we, we're not losing money on these devices. So, so when the customers worry and want to pay me more because they're concerned, um, don't worry. Uh, we have excellent uh, profit margins. Uh, maybe it's a hint that uh, if you're paying a lot more uh, uh, to other devices, uh, they're unfairly priced. But um, uh, my CFO is not complaining. Um, but yes, we are selling, uh, we are selling uh, uh, basically uh, uh, building streams. And we are doing that, uh, think, think Twitter. Right. Uh, instead of us giving you a, a firehose type of API, which is the traditional IoT approach, where we just bombard you with uh, millions of events every second, we calculate the location of everything and we let you know. Every second we sample the temperature of everything and we let you know. Um, instead of doing that, and having realized that a lot of our customers' legacy systems are just not capable in consuming all of this uh, raw data, uh, you, I mean, you can, we may make it available, of course, but, but typically we provide a waterfall. So you can subscribe to a Twitter feed or a Slack feed or, or a webhooks, right, application, kind of an HTTP uh, uh, connection, but you can subscribe to a channel and we will push events into those channels that interests you, you by you, I mean the application. So whether you are visitor management or you are a, a facility a space planning uh, or you are a, a security evacuation a command center, uh, we will, you can subscribe on different channels that quantify different elements of the building. For example, you can ask us, I want to know the walking time between uh, an office in the 22nd floor and the lobby. If I want to go out for lunch, how much time do I have to wait for the elevator? Uh, we can give you ways like uh, capabilities inside of a building because we know how people move, right? Because we, 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 we are using infrared cameras, heat-seeking cameras to basically count people as they come in and out of uh, offices, if they come in and out of floors. Um, but you don't, you, so you can ask me, you know, what is the occupancy of the third floor, but you can also ask me uh, uh, elevator riding time from the 23rd floor to the uh, lobby. I can tell you that in my, wife, uh, my wife's university, she's a professor in, uh, uh, in New York, uh, in Parsons, it takes her uh, 25 minutes to get to class when she walks in the lobby at 9, but uh, we discovered that if she walks in at 8.30, it only takes 7 minutes. Why? Because the entire building, right? All the students show up at nine uh, uh, for a nineteen, uh, I don't know, class beginning. Is it interesting for you? We hope. I am. I am 
adamant and I'm stuck in that motion that uh, guys in Google, in Apple, uh, uh, putting a GPS on the phone, were never thinking about Uber. And one of the things that we are now the most excited about uh, is not our own solutions, it's actually the enormous ecosystem of, of our partners, of application developers that are taking this data and building uh, all kinds of cool experiences that we never imagined. Uh, right, but 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 are making a positive impact for for users. So how uh, so it seems like there's lots of different services that you sell. Um, uh, is this a subscription? If I want to buy that uh, um, uh, uh, Waze service, uh, how much does that cost? So so our our baseline uh, 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 pricing says that there is a price per room or almost right a price per square foot if we are covering the entire building uh, and, uh, and it's a fixed price and you can consume any and all of the APIs that we provide. And then you can cut those down to, to single uh, uh, data channels and you say, yeah, you know, I only care about this. And, and, and then, uh, you know, there's some price aggregation and of course you pay less. So, so usually it's rare that one of uh, that we have customers that buy only a single uh, uh, data pipe. There's probably uh, uh, you know three or four departments or users within our the customer organization that want to consume this data into their different applications. I mentioned some examples, right? The security chief, uh, the facility manager. Um, and um, and when we do that, uh, we typically bundle a, a set of uh, uh, building APIs uh, to give you a vanilla uh, a price point. So uh, I, I'm not uh, avoiding your question. Say, you know, in the range of a $100 per room uh, per year gives you more or less everything. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um and who are, you talked about the applications, um, sounds like you're starting to become like the app store for the physical world. Uh, what, what are the apps that are, uh, you know, the biggest uh, apps that are driving the uh, consumption of your services? Are there specific uh, apps that I would recognize or, or should recognize? Uh, I, I, I think, you know, a lot of this is new and we, we just launched this product two months ago. But, you know, to give you some uh, examples, uh, IBM's uh, Tririga uh, that does, uh, you know, facility management um, uh, um, is, is kind of, uh, I don't know, JCI. Uh, uh, these vendors have, have uh, interesting uh, applications that are more around building management. So this is the, more the enterprise approach. Um, but we are working with uh, uh, people that do targeted, uh, you know, marketing notifications, safety applications like, you know, there is a fire. Uh, should, how should I evacuate the building? Uh, should I go from the north uh, stairs or the south stairs? It depends where the smoke is. So I would like to know. Um, but personally, I am I'm mostly excited right now about more consumer-flavored use cases that invade the enterprise space. So, for example, environmental monitoring, right? Maybe it's COVID, maybe it's just us increasing awareness, I can't say, but um, but we are seeing a lot of interest in, you know, at home I have this uh, sensor that monitors air quality because, uh, you know, I get allergies uh, when, when there's a lot of pollen in there. So, so I want to know uh, air particles. I get to the office and I ask myself, yeah, why, why, why can't I have a smart office like I have a smart home? Why is not anybody uh, monitoring my uh, office environment? I want to know if I'm here breathing clean air or if uh, my co-workers uh, in this building where the, the, the windows never open, uh, uh, um, uh, more awareness, uh, I think more maturity of smart home use cases start this reverse invasion from, from consumer to enterprise and employees now have new demands, right? They come to the office, they want to feel safe and, uh, and creating these new experiences. Um, it's really interesting for me. So I think environmental monitoring is, is a new area. It was always there in, in, the, in the corner of your vision. Someone was monitoring temperature, but not much more. And, and now we can, uh, um, we can talk about a much richer data set. And, and I think that uh, you know, consumer, as I said, uh, applications are, are driving new, new interest in enterprise. 
So that's kind of one corner that I'm, I'm particularly in, uh, kind of excited around these days. Very interesting. I, I'd love to uh, see how those applications emerge that uh, cross between the uh, enterprise and the consumer. So I'm interested in the boundaries of what you do and you don't do. So it sounds like you don't really see yourselves as an app company. That, that, that's you, you want to support third parties that do that. How do you dance with the giants that control the infrastructure? So Cisco have recently launched DNA Spaces, uh, which uh, uh, encompasses the kind of the classic Cisco uh, and uh, Cisco Meraki. Um, they're a partner of yours as well. In fact, I think we're going to have them on this show to talk a bit about what they're doing. I, I'm, I'm really interested to know what the boundary is between what they do and what you do. I mean, when we were starting to talk with Cisco about partnering, um, and, and, and we, we realized that this is a very deep embedded partnership and it would be hard for us to work with all the network vendors at the same time. So we were kind of looking at the industry realistically. Of course, Cisco is the 900 pound gorillas. Uh, they are larger than the sum of their, all of their competitors combined. Um, but we were a lot more interested in their vision because what companies like Aruba and NIST did is they basically said IoT is one directional, um, is, uh, we don't care about managing the network, uh, it's, a, it's a side uh, gig for us. So we also do something like that, but nobody, I mean, Aruba missed all of these guys. They're not taking care of uh, edge device security. They're not taking care of the density of a lot of devices and how you manage a network, which they do on Wi-Fi. And in IoT, where you have actually a lot more devices, they completely neglected that side of, of, of the business. And, and they were, uh, we, we felt that there was this early stage opportunistic approach. Cisco was the first vendor that uh, put their foot down and said, no, if we do it, we do it proper and we build an entire uh, schema of how IoT can scale. Uh, how we move from a pilot that's uh, very exciting to everybody to you know millions of devices, a lot more devices than we have on the Wi-Fi network, right? Uh, almost 10 to one ratio. Uh, and connect uh, uh, the physical world to the internet uh, because this is what we do. And, and we brought to the table expertise in the device world those are unique networks, they're asynchronous, these devices are not connected. So we brought a lot of that kind of expertise. We were working with a lot of these vendors in the past. And, and, and we, we, we decided that we, 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 are, we are doing a very tight uh, kind of go-to-market integration with, with Cisco. And we are very excited and, and, you know, about the results. Uh, you, you can already see that, that the impact of that go-to-market motion is, 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 is taking over. So, so Cisco, I think, of the last six months, and I, 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 I don't have their numbers, uh, even if I wanted to share, which I shouldn't, but I, I don't have it. But my, my impression is that over the last six months, they've probably been able to do more than uh, you know the rest of the Wi-Fi uh, uh, IoT industry in the two years before. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing because it replaces bargaining powers in the end of the end users, because it pushes for, for mass uh, uh, standards. Uh, because it creates an ecosystem in the scale that only a, a large player like Cisco can create. So that device management service um, is traditionally something that uh, I, I would expect a company like Contact.io to offer. Um, isn't that um, infringing a little bit on a potential source of revenue for, for, for your company? I mean, it certainly is. But we are doing the, I mean, unfortunately, atypical uh, uh, thing of, uh, of putting ourselves in the customer's shoes. And, and I'm very, very adamant and I'm very confident in saying that when your customer, when the end user is successful, when they are adopting, when they're seeing return over their investment, when their experience is positive, uh, when they have speed and velocity, then everybody wins, uh, even if you buy gone some, some of your revenue pie. So um, I have BLE to Wi-Fi gateways. So if you are an airport and you want to monitor and manage your uh, indoor navigation infrastructure, you can buy those gateways from me and I make money. 
uh, and you can buy this device manager from me and I make money for it. Uh, or you can use your access points and buy that capability through the Cisco DNA spaces, like you mentioned, as an example. Uh, when you do that, uh, I make a bit less money but your life is so much better. My deal cycle is much faster. Uh, the path to value is faster. Uh, um, you will call me and add no use cases and buy maybe uh, equipment that you wouldn't buy from me if you were still struggling uh, getting your basic thing to work. So, uh, yes, we are giving up on some of our uh, elements in our revenue pie. Uh, we are doing that uh, because we think it accelerates uh, adoption. It increases the total size of the pie. Right. So we have less of a cake, but our cake is much bigger. Yeah. Uh, velocity uh, and customer satisfaction and the ability to sell other services. It seems like it's a, a good uh, trade off there. Well, um, I think uh, I want to wrap up. But before we finish, I, I, I want to get your perspective more broadly on where the Internet of Things has been, uh, where it is at the moment and and where it's going to in the future. Uh, has the Internet of Things been successful in your view? I mean, it's a broad term loosely used. I think the IoT deployments over cellular, over 4 and 5G, have been uh, mostly successful because mostly those are point solutions to point problems. They're isolated. There is a single sensor somewhere remote, and that does the job very well. I think that everywhere IoT tried to invade buildings and build networks and and deliver um, you know outcomes, uh, business outcomes at scale where all the employees are tracked, or all the assets in the warehouse are managed, uh, uh, and so on. All the building is connected. Um, in that particular space, we have been through almost 20 years of a lot of hype, uh, over-promising, under-delivering. If you track the venture dollars that went into developing IoT technologies and ended up in the graveyard, more uh, uh, graveyard dollars than uh, uh, happy uh, anniversary uh, party dollars. Um, so did it fail? I mean, in a sense, it's hard to avoid that conclusion, uh, but uh, I am an optimist and I want to say it's not failure as much as it is the process of technology going through life cycles and life cycles and life cycles. It's a bit like, you know, the older guys, you might remember WAP. WAP was the beginning of wireless cellular internet. And we had this ridiculous primitive website completely failed. So has wireless internet failed? No, it's and we can't live without it, right? Uh, uh, we even inside our own home, uh, most people when they go to the bathroom, I don't want to continue, but there's only one thing you take with you to the bathroom, right? The internet. Right. No, it's amazing. I I, I totally agree. I I um um, I think uh, I wrote about it in um, this podcast is based on a book beacon technologies and uh, in the book we talk about um, the, the value of this uh, hubris this uh, excitement it's about achieving escape velocity and that's basically based on on hype and you have uh, you have a million people storming the beaches and only a few get through but uh, then they basically take over and uh, I, it's it's a rough process and there's a lot of people who probably <laughs> are licking their wounds, uh, but then there's others who survived and have gone to uh, really enjoy what's the other side of that, uh, that beach. Um, the beach analogy is a new one. I'm not sure whether I'm going to keep that. It's probably in poor taste, but escape velocity, I think, is probably a better metaphor. Escape. And I want to make maybe a small addition on top, because sometimes it's not just strategic imperatives and the right decisions. It's sometimes just a bit of luck. The winds need to be right. The start needs to align. And, you know, as a silly example, a Bluetooth low energy uh, as a technology choice for IoT would not have taken off at the velocity it did uh, without the adoption of this type of silicon, of this type of technology in consumer products. 
right? I have Nike shoes with the Bluetooth uh, 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 communicator. Um, I have an 80-year-old boy. His name is Dylan, uh, and he loves Lego. Uh, and he has a Lego uh, toy that has Bluetooth in it. And he connects it to the iPad, and he can, I don't know, operate a motor and cause the robot to turn around. So, but this is Lego. This is not IoT, enterprise, uh, I don't know, building security solutions. This is Lego. But the proliferation of Bluetooth, the, the scale of the Bluetooth cheap deployment in almost everything now, uh, creates investment in silicon. Uh, uh, by the, the, the chip manufacturers, and it, it benefits the supply chain all the way to the uh, universe of IoT, of course. So sometimes uh, a bit of luck, uh, the right winds, uh, stars need to align, and, and then great things happen. And where are we headed to in the next few years? What's, uh, what do you think the secret of success is? Uh, where, what are the things that you're going to be uh, looking out for in your space and maybe in the adjacent spaces? I think that the key motion that I see in terms of its impact uh, on, on, on uh, end users, on the market as a whole, is the em embedding of what is an overlay network or an overlay tagging kind of strategy today into the fabric of the things that we already have. So we mentioned it in different perspectives. Uh, the building layout, the build, the fabric of the infrastructure that makes the building run before anybody walks in the door becomes IoT enabled. Uh, that means smart lightning. That means Wi-Fi networks that support IoT. Um, the machines, the devices themselves, laptops. Uh, uh, six years ago, I did a project with a, a large defense uh, 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 organ that needed to tag laptops to prevent them from being removed from the base because they have secret materials. These days, we are talking to Intel about uh, embedding uh, the contact IO wireless stack in any Wi-Fi Bluetooth chip that Intel produces. That means that laptops can talk to this building infrastructure without having to be tagged. We mentioned infusion pumps. So becoming part of the fabric of reality, of the devices that you already buy, of the networks that you already have, uh, uh, shifts the, the, the focus of the IoT industry uh, to processing large amounts of data to using AI and machine learning tools to extract insight and wisdom from those this ocean of data. And I think that, you know, also for Contact.io, if you're looking at our roadmap ahead, then uh, uh, this, this is where the, the, you know, the majority of our R&D dollars and our focus is going towards. Wonderful. It's been a great conversation. Rom Eisenberg, uh, Contact.io, thanks very much for uh, spending the hour with us. Hey, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you for uh, listening. Um, for veterans of the show, you may have noticed that there's a bit of extra time on that timeline. Um, this is uh, something we've never talked about before. This is the first time that there's an Easter egg at the end of our shows where we talk to our guests a bit about their lives. Um, do uh, stay with us a little longer if you have the time. If not, thank you for uh, joining us for this uh, update on uh, Contact IO, what they're doing. Uh, I want to thank ne I want to thank Nelson Fernandez who edits the show, Jesse Hazelrig who produces it, uh, and once again thank you for spending some time with us. We'll uh, see you again. Bye bye. So, Rom, uh, where are you at the moment? Well, normally uh, I live in uh, the West Village in New York, um, and over the last year, uh, since COVID started, uh, we are tucked away uh, in the Catskill Mountains. Um, that's uh, upstate New York. So you have a, uh, you're renting a place, or you have a holiday place, or? Yeah, we we, we have a, a little weekend uh, house uh, up on the mountain, um, and uh, um, uh, COVID, and I'm I'm embarrassed to say that it's it's been horrible. Uh, but uh, for my particular family, uh, uh, not so bad. I caught up with a lot of yard work. I was uh, building a deck. Um, so sometimes reality uh, uh, forces you uh, uh, to disconnect from life and you make the best out of it. I, I've, I've done the same thing. I have invested in a lot of power tools and I've been making things out of wood. It's incredibly therapeutic. I, I love it. 
Um, and I feel a little guilty saying it, I have to say. Um, so um, where did you grow up? So my parents come from Europe, uh, but uh, I grew up in Israel, in, in Tel Aviv. And, um, and uh, I think uh, my last, last company, uh, we were raising uh, venture capital uh, from a US fund. And one of the conditions was that we move our management team. Um, so that was uh, 11 years ago. And uh, I came, I fell in love. Uh, um, we're having a great time. So uh, we stayed. Fantastic. And I was just looking at your LinkedIn uh, profile before recording the show. And it looked like you did one of your degrees in Milan. Is that correct? Yes, in Bocconi. Uh, it was such a, a, a great uh, adventure. We, we just sold the company uh, and I, uh, my initial education was in computer science and uh, I felt like studying something different. And, uh, and my wife felt like uh, traveling Europe a little bit uh, and we had a little bit of cash. We were relatively young. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, we moved to Italy, I went to Bocconi, we uh, uh, drove around uh, Europe and made new friends. Uh, the sort of thing that you get to do when you're young. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so, you, you uh, were learning, so did you know Italian before? Did you know Italian afterwards? I'm assuming you did. No, 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 not a word before. Uh, after, uh, well, my wife does better than me because she's the smart one, but uh, I, I, I get by. I get by. It was a great experience. F amazing. Um, um, okay, so we have this tradition. We uh, ask people about their musical uh, tastes and uh, preferences and the construct is you're on a trip to Mars. What, what, what are the, the three songs uh, that you would... Uh, choose to take to, to Mars and, and why? Well, I think that we're going to have to start with living on a jet plane. Uh, um, and, and there is a little Armageddon movie reference here. Uh, that, that's for the takeoff. Then, of course, you need the David Bowie's uh, Space Oddity. Of course, it's a classic. <laughs> and I was thinking when we land, uh, uh, that's a critical moment. Uh, we need a soundtrack for landing. Uh, so I would go with uh, We Are The Champions by Queen. Very motivational. Do you listen to it? Um, uh, what, do you listen to it on a regular basis, or it's just when you're landing on Mars? You're, uh, is, is it a favorite? I mean, I, 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 I grew up in the uh, in, in the later '80s uh, as a kid, but uh, I think I was uh, completely uh, pegged to '70s and '60s music. So yes, a lot of David Bowie and uh, and Queen and this sort of thing. Yeah, uh, wonderful. Um, no, it's just a very motivational song. I, I, I don't do it very often, but sometimes like if I'm nervous about a big meeting, then I'll, uh, I'll play that song. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's really good. Perfect. That's right. <laughs> very good. Well, thanks very much. Uh, great, to, great to chat with you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.